everyone, welcome to NLCC Sermon Recap Podcast. Uh, with me today, I have Jody. Hi! And I am Preston, and uh, we're about to listen in on this message from Jody that he gave. Uh, and, and this is kind of a kind of a series, a little bit on parenting, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit about families, families, and, parenting, and uh, yeah, yeah. So we're about to listen in on that. But first, I wanted to have a chance to sit down with Jody and get a little bit of extra context into this message that we're about to hear. Um, so first of all, why did you choose this topic to talk about? Well, the topic of distraction just seems to be something that I personally was wrestling with. I felt like there were so many things in the world that was pulling me away, pulling me away from the primary responsibilities as a as a dad, as a husband, and even as a man. And and it just noticed how I was being distracted from the main things in my life. And uh, and so I was praying and wrestling with uh, what does that look like to. Uh, overcome that in in the context of faith in the context of family and uh, just asking how is my how is my life being distracted away from what God wants mm-hmm. and then also how is my family and the rhythms of my family how's that how is that in being impacted by just the craziness of the world and man this past year and a half two years has been nuts not that the, it wasn't crazy before then but I feel like the uh, distractions have been all the more amped mm-hmm. over this past year or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're going to see that trend, uh, or, or I think we're going to see some effects of that distraction sure. Sure, sure, sure. that are lasting. And so being able to focus is something that's really important and key. And, and being able to drown out uh, certain voices, certain um, the voices of the world, and just those distractions, and be able to center in on our uh, relationship with God and mm-hmm. allow Him to bring peace. Uh, I mean, anxiety and um, fear and all those things are just running rampant. Mm-hmm. And I just think because we're just focusing on all these problems in our world. And uh, I found in my own life, man, I have strength in the midst of those moments when I am focused on him. Mm-hmm. But then I'll, when I don't, well, then then fear and anxiety and all those things begin to, to overwhelm me. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, who do you think needs to hear this message? Well, this is this particular Sunday is our parent dedication, and I thought, well, I could do a traditional, you know, talking to parents, but I really think all of us struggle with the reality of uh, being distracted and specifically being drawn away from our relationship with the Lord, and so it's really for everybody. But you know, also within the message, I feel like there's a kind of a specific point where I'm talking to parents and how it's easy to get distracted from the day-to-day and miss uh, opportunities to invite Christ into your home. And so it really is for everybody. I mm-hmm. wanted to create a message where everybody felt like they could be invited into this message and not feel like, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not a parent or I'm not a grandparent, so I, this, doesn't ha- this doesn't apply to me. Mm-hmm. Um, all of us need to be pursuing a continual daily yeah. relationship with God. Absolutely. What's one way that you think this message can be applied to like a personal life or maybe a workplace or family? Um, I think first off, you, uh, it's important to uh, evaluate uh, what are the things that are distracting you personally, like um, and then um, and f- figuring out what it robs you of, the distractions, what they rob you of. Um, and, I think for me, as I started evaluating it, I started seeing things that I needed to intentionally put in my life to to keep me 
focused on the main things in my life, my relationship with God, my relationship to lead and direct uh, my wife and my kids, my daughters. And so um, I think uh, the practical is to ask yourselves those hard questions. What do you, what, what's distracting you and what do you maybe need to add into your uh, life? Uh, maybe it's creating a, a rhythm where you get up in the morning with your coffee and open up God's word. And so you're starting to, to engage and allow God's word to drive your thoughts and actions to start the day, opening up with worship, you know, as you're going and going to work and, and you're putting in uh, some worship music to get your heart ready to, 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 to handle all the challenges and distra uh, distractions of the day. And then I think for families, I think uh, just asking those questions as parents, what what do I want my kids to be when they leave the house? When they turn 18 and they go into college, what do they want to be? And then establish patterns and practices that would uh, encourage, build up, maybe infuse those things into their into their into their hearts and so uh, for us it's our girls we want them to, to love and know Jesus well I need to, to make sure that there's certain practices um, so you know for us it's a it's Bible story at bath time <laughs> where I'm acting really silly and being a jet I don't even forget what um, my name was that they call me. I have a spe specific name that they call me, <laughs> and I use my uh, hillbilly accent to, to read Bible stories, and it's fun. And but it's 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 planting those seeds of God's word in, into their hearts, and uh, and so I think the practical is asking yourself where where can you plant practices that would encourage uh, a focus on Christ instead of just being drawn to. Um, the things of this world. And, and I think if we just kind of let things be, we have a tendency to drift. And so, all right, well, thank you so much for bringing some extra context into this message. That was, uh, that was a lot of helpful uh, stuff to help us guide us into, uh, help us prepare to listen to this. So let's go ahead and listen in on this message from Jody on keeping your focus and not getting distracted. When it comes to distraction, how distracted are you? If you were to rate yourself, like from one to ten, uh, one being you're never distracted, and ten being like you're always distracted, like distracted like Doug from the the Disney movie Up, you know, like Squirrel, you know, that kind of distracted. How would you rate yourself? How would you rate yourself between one and ten? How distracted are you? You see, when it comes to life, isn't the goal to keep the main thing the main thing? So what happens when uh, when you take your eyes off the main thing? I had a moment like that not too long ago. About a month ago, I got distracted and I lost, I, I kind of lost my focus. I lost my daughter. Yeah, I was in Myers. You know, for five years, I didn't lose my daughter, but then guess what? I lost her. We were toward the end of our, our uh, shopping at the grocery store and uh, I was looking at some school supplies and she was looking at some crafts. We were pretty close to each other, and so I started just taking inventory of what she needed at school. And so I'm here I'm looking, I'm looking, and then all of a sudden I look back beyond my shoulder, and I noticed that she was gone. It was like, it felt like 30 seconds, like I was looking at the, uh, at the supplies, and she was looking at the crafts, and I looked, and she was gone. It was like a minute, just like that. 
And so with urgency, I abandoned my cart and I looked from aisle to aisle, searching, seeing if I could find her. Well, all of a sudden, in the midst of my search, I hear something over the, the, the overcome. Will Jody come to the customer service counter? We have your daughter. So I did what all parents do in that moment. I took my parental walk of shame to the counter and uh, there my daughter was. She came running to me and tears in her eyes and she said, Daddy, why did you not keep your eye on me? Talk about ouch. Ouch! Now, before you get too critical of me, I want to remind you of a Bible story of Mary and Joseph. See, I lost my daughter for three minutes. They lost the Son of God, Jesus, for three days. So, so be kind. Be kind to me. But in that moment, I, I learned how dangerous it was, uh, how dangerous distractions are. And what is true in the physical world is also true in the spiritual. And see, we find throughout the Bible stories of people who've gotten distracted, who lost their focus, who took their eyes off the main thing. The first example that I want to go to is, is found in, in 2 Samuel chapter 11. David is at the height of his reign in Israel. Under David's leadership, the kingdom of Israel has grown, it's thrived, it flourished. But all that's about to change. So, 2 uh, Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. It goes like this. It says, In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent out Joab with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonite and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. Did you catch it? We find the warrior king. Now, this is the king that des uh, destroyed and conquered Goliath. We find him lounging instead of leading. We find him shirking his responsibilities. Now, the text doesn't give us any insights on, on what distracted the king, but we find one thing. We find him out of place, out of position. And then we have verse 2. David really becomes distracted on verse 2. Check it out. Let's, let's take a look at what it says. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on his roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was beautiful. Now, now I have a quick question for you. Where was David supposed to be? On a roof? At his palace? No! He was supposed to be in a tent on a battlefield. That's where David was supposed to be. And to say that David, in verse 2, was distracted, well, that's kind of an understatement. But instead of, in that moment, regaining his focus on God and, and the mission that God led him do, to do, David continued to give in to temptation. And things began to uh, tragically spiral out of control. So David goes from, let, let's go through this, David goes from lounging at the palace to choosing an adulterous moment to choosing to create this huge cover-up to eventually murder. One small distraction, one small distraction unchecked snowballed into complete chaotic, into a complete chaotic mess. So, what started off in 2 Samuel chapter 11 with a victory and, and conquering 
ends with complete and utter defeat. If you take a look at David's family, from this moment on, you find something. You find dysfunction. You find brokenness. You find division. You see, it's this moment that ultimately defines the course of David's family. Let's take another uh, example, take a look at another example of distraction. And this one, this one isn't as nearly as drastic, but let's take a look. It's in the New Testament, Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on the way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Okay, so, so there, uh, Jesus has come, come to Martha's house, and she is, she's trying to take care of them. And I want to take a look at verse 40. Verse 40 says this, But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. There's our word, distracted. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care uh, that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Now think about it. Can you feel uh, Martha's frustration? Martha, here she's feverishly cleaning, baking, cooking, preparing. And there her sister just sits. As seconds begin to pass, anger starts brewing. Then it starts boiling. And then finally, she has to say something. She has to speak up. She says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left you, left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Well, let's take a look at, at how Jesus responds in verse 41. He says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but one is needed. Martha, Martha has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. You see, Martha was distracted. She was distracted by doing good things. Have you ever gotten distracted by doing good things? But she missed the most important thing, being with Jesus. Now back to, to the day that I lost Autumn. I learned something else that day. I learned that when you, uh, you get distracted, you become disconnected. Let me say that again. When you, when you get distracted, you become disconnected. You become disconnected from people, disconnected from God, disconnected from your mission, your purpose, your calling. And ultimately, we miss out. Distraction robs us. It robs us of intimacy. It robs us of influence. It robs us from having a, a greater impact in the world for Christ. And we see that. We see that, in, and we see that in the life of David. We see that in the life of Martha. So, what are we to do in those moments when we are struggling with distraction? Well, Paul points us to the solution. It's in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. He says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And set your mind, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. I love how the message paraphrases this verse. He, um, they go on and say this. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes on the ground, absorbed with things that are right in front of you. Look up and be alert. 
Be alert to what's going on, uh, going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from His perspective. You see, it's like uh, the old hymn that says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. I was going to sing that, but I decided not to. So how do we do that? How do we turn our eyes upon Jesus? How do we set our mind on things above? How do we see things from His perspective? How do we do that? Well, it starts with keeping our attention on Him. And so how do we do that? You see, in our world where there's millions of things uh, distracting us and tempting us away from God and His plan for us, I want to actually learn from an Old Testament character who remained unwavering in his relationship and commitment with God. Even though everything around, uh, around him was pulling him away, he remained steadfast in his faith and faithfulness to God. It's, it's, in, it's all found in Daniel. Daniel chapter 1, verse 3. And uh, before I, I read this section, I want to tell you about what's going on. The Babylonians, under uh, King Nebuchadnezzar's, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's leadership, came in and conquered the Israelites. They destroyed the temple. They destroyed Jerusalem. Jerusalem was in ruins. And there they took a few of the finest, finest men and exiled them to Babylon. Let me, uh, let me read from Daniel 1, starting at verse 3. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the, the chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility, young men without physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude in every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they entered the king's service. Well, among those who were chosen from Judah, there was Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, uh, he gave Meshach, and to Azariah, he gave Abednego. After being conquered, you have these four men. They were handpicked. You had Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah handpicked for the, for the king's service. And before they, they started their service, they needed to be taught the Babylonian way. They were indoctrinated into all things Babylonian. And so they entered this three-year program to, to transform these Jews to transform from, to, from being Jewish to being Babylonian. And so for three years, their Babylonian teachers would attempt to brainwash these Jewish young men in attempts to get them to think and act like Babylonians. They were bombarded, bombarded by the Babylonian way. So the question is, would they remain faithful to the Lord, or would they buckle under the pressure and the weight of the uh, Babylonian culture? Would they allow the Babylonian culture to distract them and lead them away from their God? Well, to get that answer, we can go to Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. And this is what it says. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself 
with the royal food and wine. And he asked the, the, the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. So in that moment, they decided to stand up and to stand up for God. Daniel refused to dishonor his God, and more specifically, not to dishonor God by, by violating uh, the, the food laws that were established in Leviticus, Leviticus 11 and 17. You see, Daniel, Daniel's heart remained steadfast to his God, despite the cultural pressures around him. We find Daniel uh, unwavering in his resolve to live for God. And though it would have been really easy, exceedingly easy for Daniel to become distracted by his new home, we see Daniel's commitment to keep his faith, uh, faith in God central in his life, despite the external, uh, the external pressures around him. So the question remains, how did he do it? How did uh, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, how did these guys do that? In the midst of this pressure cooker, how did they, they rise above their culture and remain faithful to their God? Well, we're going to take a glimpse uh, of how Daniel was able to do it. I want to go to Daniel chapter 6. And before I, I read the text, I want to tell you what's going on. From Daniel 1 to Daniel 6, there's about 60 to 70 years in Daniel's life. So there's a, there's a span of 60 to 70 years. So in, in Daniel 1, you have a young man. In Daniel 6, you have an old man. And once again, we find Daniel's faith being challenged. It's not by the Babylonians or by uh, Nebuchadnezzar. In fact, it's actually a new king. It's King Darius. And it's, it's not uh, the Babylonians. It's actually a new kingdom, the kingdom of Persia. But just like the Persians, Darius and the, uh, and the Persians had no regard for God. And so Daniel finds himself at the crossroad again. Choosing, he had that, that, that choice to either choose to yield and give in to temptation of the Persian culture, which was asking him to bow and worship the king alone, or he could remain faithful to God and earn an exclusive pass to spend the night with the local lion enclosure. It was simple. Bow and worship only the king or worship God and be thrown into a lion's den. Well, let's see how Daniel responds. Most of you might know it. Some of you might not. So let's take a look. Daniel chapter 6, verse 9 or 10. He said, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been, been published, he went home to his upstairs room where his windows opened towards Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knee knees and he prayed, giving thanks to God, just as he had done before. You see, despite uh, the, the culture and the potential consequences, Daniel did what he always did. He got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to God. This was a part of his rhythm. You see, that decision that day earned Daniel a trip to the lion enclosure where he saw God supernaturally protect him. Though it might have cost Daniel his life, Daniel wasn't going to back down. He remained rock solid in his commitment to God, unwavering, fixed, and focused. So, what was the secret to Daniel's unwavering, God-centric focus? Well, he developed an he developed and established a consistent rhythm of faith. You see, for him, his faith wasn't just a Saturday-only deal. 
It wasn't something he did when he just lived in, in Jerusalem. It was a part of his life, his daily life. It didn't matter where he was. It didn't matter uh, who he worked for. It didn't matter what king ruled. He intentionally sought out the Lord. It says in the text that he sought him out three times, in the morning, in the afternoon, and in, at night. See, there was a consistent rhythm, a pattern for his life. What about you? What about, uh, what is your daily rhythm of faith? Where do you intentionally connect with God? See, at NLC, one of our, our core values is to devote daily, to intentionally take time to, to daily connect with God. And so in order to withstand the pressures of our world, we have to have an inner strength that comes only from an active, empowering relationship with God where His Spirit moves and works within us. Without it, we begin to drift. We drift with the current of our cultures and we miss out on the abundant life that Jesus offers. And so, so we choose either intentionality by taking time with Him or we choose to drift and become distracted. We find that there is an antidote for drifting. And that antidote to distraction is intentionality. Let me, let, me, uh, let me say that again. The antidote to distraction is intentionality. You see, uh, without intentionality, i got to be honest. Without intentionality, I begin to drift. Without intentionality, you begin to drift. That's true in every era of life. Let me, let me give you an example. How about physically? Um, who, let me ask you a question. Who accidentally chooses to eat kale? Like, come on now. That never happens by accident. If I'm left to just drift and choose whatever I want to choose, I choose a, a bacon double cheeseburger every time. You know, I don't even have to think about it. Well, the same is true spiritually. And so, where are you establishing a rhythm of faith in your life? Where are you, um, uh, what are you doing to intentionally connect with God? And when, you, when do you connect with God? How do you connect with God? Do you connect with Him in prayer and His Word and, and worship and corporate worship, being together as a body of, of Christ? Where do you connect? You see, without intentionality, you begin to drift. So let's be like Daniel. Be like Daniel and have an unwavering faith, unwavering in our love and our trust for God. Now I want to take a moment and I want to speak just to, to parents and grandparents for a minute. We've been talking about establishing a rhythm of faith in you and for you. But what about your family? What about your kids and your grandkids? How are you establishing a rhythm of faith in your family? How are you intentionally as a family pursuing God throughout, the, throughout your day? And if we're not careful... The voice and the presence of God in our home can easily be drowned out by the voice and pressures of this world. And so, the question is, how are you being intentional? How, we need to be intentional. Here's a couple things that uh, Meg and I have leaned in as we've chosen to be intentional to establish a rhythm of faith in our family. And I just want to make this confession. We are not perfect at this. We're in a work in progress, just like the rest of you families. But there's some things that we've intentionally put in our, into our family rhythm that helps keep Christ at the center of it. 
One of them is music. Our girls love music, and so we've leaned in, and we've made sure that, uh, that they've had CDs and that, that, that there's Christian music, specifically like VBS music. And uh, there's, a, there's another set of CDs called Slugs and Bugs. It's a CD where um, it's, just, it's just Bible verses, just Bible verses. And so our girls begin to sing these songs, and as they sing these songs, guess what? They're planting God's Word in their heart. Another way that we, we intentionally make faith a rhythm of our family is through our prayer time. We spend intentional time at dinner and at bedtime. And, and, and again, our prayers are short, they're not lengthy, they're not, and sometimes they're loud and destruct, you know, just lots of things are going. But we intentionally make sure that we carve out time, prayer time, at dinner and at bedtime. And then uh, we also sing over our girls at bedtime. We pray for them, we put them in their beds, and then as they try to attempt to, to fall asleep, we sing songs over them, songs like Jesus Loves Me, songs like the doxology, songs like Awesome God. And we want them to, to learn the truths of God's Word as these songs are sung over them and that they're blessed by them. We've uh, recently felt the need to kind of upgrade and and lean in and, and move forward in our rhythms. And there's a couple new things that we've recently done. Uh, one of those things is our God time sheets that we get from Kids Connection each Sunday. We've decided to, to take time each morning and read that devotional with, uh, with Autumn. And uh, we've kind of leveraged uh, TV with it. It's like, okay, we got to do our God time sheet before we watch Bluey. And so we, we've, we've kind of built that in because Autumn's now in kindergarten, so it's important for her to, uh, to, to begin to develop that, that uh, rhythm of, of pursuing God and His Word each and every day. And uh, the last thing that we just recently added is uh, well, reading uh, Bible stories to our girls during bath time. And uh, we decided to make it a little extra exciting. Uh, Meg puts this red hat on, this weird, silly red hat. And she reads the Bible stories in her best Southern or British, British accents. The girls love it. And uh, I also participate. I, I put a straw hat, and the, the only accent that I know is kind of like my hillbilly voice. But in, in those moments, we've, we've created rhythms throughout our, our, our home and our family and our day-to-day -day action that, uh, that Christ is invited into. And uh, like I said, we're not perfect at it. Uh, I'm, I'm sure these rhythms will change as the girls get older. Um, it's messy, <laughs> like it's not perfect. Um, do we do it right all the time? No. Do we stumble at it? Yes. But here's, here's how I view it. I believe that we're stumbling. When we stumble, we stumble forward. And we're doing our best to establish a rhythm of faith. It is way too important not to. You see, I, I, I really want my girls to have a life-giving, ever-growing faith and love uh, relationship with our amazing God. And if I want that, well, it starts with me. And if I want that, it starts with Meg and, uh, Meg and me uh, living out the plaque that's over our front door that says, As for me and, and my house, we serve the Lord. See, it's not just a plaque. It's about a rhythm. It's about establishing a routine where Christ is continually invited in. And we don't always get it right. But the, alter, uh, the alternative is not an option for us. Uh, that the option of drifting with the tides of culture that ultimately, well, let's say ultimately leads to destruction.
So parents, even grandparents, what do you need to do to intentionally add faith into your family's rhythm? Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you with these words, the words that Paul. It's Ephesians 5, starting at verse 15. It says, be careful. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but wise. Making the most, making the most of every opportunity. It sounds like Paul is calling us to be intentional. Because, why? Why? Because the day, days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what God's will is. This morning, I just want to wrap our time together with, with some questions, some things to think about as we wrap up. The first, first question I want to ask, what distracts you? I want you to take an inventory. Take an inventory of your distractions. And as you note them, I want you to also ask another question. What are those distractions robbing you of? The next question I want to ask is, what uh, impact does Jesus play in the rhythm of your day? The, the rhythm of your day. Is Jesus invited into those spaces throughout your day? And is there something that you need to add to the rhythm of your day? Or is there something that maybe you need to take out? And the last one is for, for you parents and grandparents. What impact does Jesus play in the rhythm of your home? Is there something in, in, in the rhythm of your home when it comes to faith um, that you need to add? What, add into your family rhythm? Or is there something that you need to subtract? Let's pray. Father, Lord, I come before you. I just ask that as we deal with the pressures and distractions of this world, Lord, that we would truly turn our eyes to you. Help us to be intentional about pursuing you. Help us to be intentional about creating rhythms in our, our lives and rhythms of, our, our, of just pursuing you in our family. Lord, um, in all things, Lord, help us to fix our eyes on you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Thank you for tuning in to the Sermon Recap Podcast this week. We hope that this message was beneficial to you and that it helps encourage you to keep your focus, keep your eyes on Jesus, and not let those distractions get in the way and, and pull you off track. So uh, thank you again for listening, and we look forward to doing this again with you next week.